more on Final Cut and Logic on the iPad, and what exactly happened at Bridge. This is Mac Voices. Today's Mac Voices is supported by Mac Voices After Dark. Uncensored, off-topic, and always off the wall. Mac Voices After Dark is available as a benefit to our Patreon subscribers. Sign up at patreon.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Our Mac Voices Live panel finishes off a very detailed conversation about Final Cut and Logic coming to the iPad, and then take a look at the demise of Keyboard Maker Bridge. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. At this point, I feel obligated to, to point out that LumaFusion has been on the on the iPad now for some time. Um, and it, and Jeff, you can back me up on this. Um, I just talked to uh, to Chris and Terry at NAB about the fact that they just added multicam capabilities to to LumaFusion. And um, I, I can't remember if it was on camera or off. But Chris specifically said that this that it just screams on an M2 iPad. So, you know, there's that. Um, I want to make sure I give this credit I, here. Credit. I would think I would think those guys have got to be really happy. Yeah, I would think so, too. I mean, it definitely legitimizes uh, editing on the iPad. Brett, Brett brings up a good point in the chat room. He says, I suspect that the M1 iPad Pro is required for FCP because it needs the Thunderbolt port for high-speed disk access. Yeah, I agree with that. I was hoping you got to that. You, it, as the chat was going back, go by. But yeah, it's it's. I think that's a good good determining factor. Yeah, having Thunderbolt for speeds to be able to transfer your 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 programs, you know, off off the iPad if you had to, not on cloud, is so one of the one I'm, factor. You're not going to say that LumaFusion is useless if you don't have an M1. Oh no, you're not going to say oh. that. No. LumaFusion is just fine on my um, uh, not M1 iPad Pro, and um, and it's people people run it on phones. Ac- yeah, it's disk access speeds for my needs um, are totally fine. However, yeah. I can imagine if you were editing a uh, um, a video that was you know, like a, an hour long TV show or something having faster disc access. Wow. <coughs> Excuse me. Having faster disc disc access would be nice. Difficult to say, but nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. But again, like, you know, the Mac, you know, final cut still works on older Intel machines. Um, you know, is it nice? Is that a good workflow for, you know, professionals? Absolutely not. But Apple still supports it. Um, so, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I just think it's interesting that, uh, it just doesn't run at all on anything except those machines. And, you know, I don't know, maybe that's great, but it's, it's just, I, I just think it's notable. Well, I, it's notable, Jim, I guess the way I see it, it's, I mean, two things, first of all, user experience, you know, just how, you know, how, especially, and as I, if I remember reading the, if, I think I remember reading this correctly. It does support multicam. So, you know, the last thing you want to do is say, okay, well, you can run, you can run it on this, but you can't do this with it. You can't do multicam. You don't do this, the other. The other thing too, is just from a business standpoint, of course, you're going to promote your current machines. 
you're going to you're going to promote the M2 iPads and the M1 is okay it's good enough M2 is better so and and whoever said it, I'm, I'm sorry I don't recall who but this is a professional program professional level program to run on a professional level machine and you know this is where they decided I, yeah. to, to step in to the you iPad. Know, they've board. made that decision. Again, this is where I think the LumaFusion guys must be happy because, you know, there's going to be people like, oh, I'm video, I'm going to get cut. Oh, shoot, it doesn't run on my iPad. Well, I can get this uh, LumaFusion and boy, the one-time price is less than the one-year subscription to Final Cut, you know. If sold. I need multicam, it's only $19 more. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, again, it, it, this feels like it's good for everybody. You know, I mean, up to this point, LumaFusion has had the market to themselves and, and it, they have, they've not rested on that laurel. They have produced an amazing program and they continue to evolve it and make it better. And so, you know, now with Apple doing this, it'll be just interesting to see what approach they take to it. And, you know, if Apple, does keep up the uh, the iPad version with the desktop version. Web, I, I want to go back there to something you said about this being Apple's first pro-level uh, piece of software with a subscription. You think this is a trend we may see going forward? Well, I think it's a trend we're going to see going forward on, on the whole entire software industry. I think that there are going to be... Uh, um, some apps that are still going to be free. I think iMovie is a good example of that. Some of the standard apps, the mail apps, and so on and so forth, there's going to just be, uh, uh, take, you know, table stakes. But uh, yeah, I, I uh, and like I said, it's I have a couple of software programs that I use. I use some financial software. It's a, it's a subscription-based, not Quicken. Um, and I'm very satisfied with it. And I like it because I like the idea that I'm, crossing my fingers here, hoping that it's funding future development too. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's the, the, the current uh, status quo. And I, I think that uh, um, I think it's going to stay that way. And I think it's a good thing. Brian, you had an, uh, made an interesting observation there. Um, yeah. Verbalize that and what, what, what you're thinking. Yeah, my thought was, you know, I was thinking, okay, so you've got a pro-level application, uh, a couple of them with subscriptions in mind. I'm wondering if they're considering changing up some of the options you can do for Apple One, uh, you know, different combinations of different um, apps that you could subscribe to. And, you know, depending on what you choose, bring down the price uh, compared to doing it on its own. Because um, right now I... I think what there's there's the individual plan, right? There's the family plan, and I believe the like a premier plan of I can't remember yeah. the terminology on it. Premier yeah. bundle. Mm-hmm. Premier bundle. Yeah, and and it's pretty set though. You know, you, not much you can you can change. I think maybe a little bit with the um, iCloud storage, if I'm not mistaken, but everything else is pretty set. Right. Um, maybe there's some different options they might be able to throw in if they keep doing this type of thing. It's very possible. I mean, the Apple One, I can, I, I know, is has been very successful for Apple. So it's something mm-hmm. that they potentially could consider as an additional add-on to it. And you consider just the, you know, being in that ecosystem. You know, you're 
interconnected in so many different ways. It's, you know, advantageous for you to stay, you know, and tough to leave. So I feel like I have to bring up Setapp as sort of a standard bearer for this particular model. Obviously, it's a lot. It's a lot more extensive. The applications are not all pro level. A lot of them are, and no disparagement intended here at all. But a lot of them are just sort of one trick ponies that do what they do and they do it well, and they're good quality apps. Um, but yeah, I I find that really interesting, Brian. The idea that you know if you could, if they had a bundle of five or six pro apps, and you could pick two or three for a lesser price and then, you know, go up from there. That would be an interesting way to slide your, slide your way into doing a subscription model for your pro apps. Right. That's a good point. What other pro apps are they going to have? What would they be? Need to bring back aperture. Well, not miss aperture. Yeah. Yeah. But Jim, not, you know, not, we're we're looking at just the current slate. I mean, if if you had something like that, what ha- what could Apple bring out on a on a pro level? Well, maybe one of the I pro levels could be the additional like the large amount of cloud storage, you know, x amount of terabytes or something. Yeah, they they kept Final Cut Pro and, and Logic Pro going for many years. I mean, you, you compare it to uh, Aperture. Yeah, Aperture had its had its fans for a while, but you know, Apple obviously lost interest in wanting to continue developing you know, that particular program. But they they had you know remember when Final Cut they made those drastic changes to to the, to, to the application and everybody was up in arms about that. And now all of a sudden it's made its comeback and it seems like there's still a pretty good community of people that are still using Final Cut Pro. Um, Although, you know, I've been looking, you know, at video editors and a lot of the buzz I see online is that, you know, Resolve is the new hotness and that Apple hasn't been doing much with Final Cut. Um, And, you know, maybe this is what they've been doing. All the engineers were working on this. Especially the fact that Adventure Resolve has a free version that most people are using. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. But uh, um, apparently, it's quite powerful that even a lot of high-end users are, you know, some of them are paying for it. But uh, and also, they give away the high version with their cameras oh. and stuff. So you know, it's apparently like really, you know, making huge inroads. Like we want to support the developers. You know, like I think someone made a comment here that uh, that you you know, you, if if you you like that program enough and you want to feel generous to to support them, yeah, why not uh, upgrade and pay to get to the paid version. Um, Mark Fuccio was in our chat room and he was asking about motion. There's a pro level app that is not on the iPad yet that could be added to that bundle. And I, I, forgive me. I'm not sure who said it in our Slack. Oh, I think it was Ben Ben. uh, who's not here tonight, but I think Ben made the point that, you know, if, if they came up with the licensing arrangement that would give him access to both the desktop and the iPad version, right. That, he would make a switch. So lots of moving pieces here. Yeah, I mean, many of us already have the the, the flat flat rate paid version of of Final Cut. Um, so what does that do to 
to those folks that have paid for it. Are they going to upgrade? Could they upgrade the Final Cut Pro version on the Mac? It's very possible. And if they do, then they, that could get that justification. I'm willing to pay that upgrade to now be a subscription service combining my iPad version. But or like like Jeff, he uses LumaFusion very extensively. A lot of people may like to do an iPad uh, workflow versus a Mac of workflow. So I guess yeah, there's there's plenty of variables here. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I too own Final Cut, obviously. So as well as well may, I do. Yeah, so maybe I don't want to pay for it. So maybe I pick the bundle right. that would include Motion and Logic and something else, and just leave my Final that's, Cut alone. That's the other part of that yeah. whole Final Cut Motion uh, Motion package, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to jump in. It just popped in my head, and I couldn't mm-hmm. keep it in my mouth. No, in fact, Jeff, I, I want to circle back too because one other point um, to um, oh boy to, to Brett's point, um, I know LumaFusion. Uh, the LumaFusion folks were talking to me about the fact that you can edit um, off of a of a of a drive, not yeah. the internal memory. But so yep. we're back to you know answering Jim's question of why do you need an M1? Well, as for the storage aspects, as much as anything, because. If you work with video, you know those files can get real big real quick. So mm-hmm. unless you you sprang for a one terabyte iPad, you know you're going to run out of room very fast. It'll be really interesting to see how how the the iPad version of Final Cut handles uh, the library sizes because, as you well know, you know if you don't set it properly, you know those libraries get enormous very quickly, and you have to you know reduce the size. Because I've had that many times. I'm only using a one terabyte external drive with a final with, for, for Final Cut, and I wonder why is the drive all the way full? Well, it's because it's rendering all the video that you're working on, and you can only have so many videos on it. So I w- I'm going to be curious to see where uh, how Apple's handling that, because there are going to be people who have 256 or 512 iPads, not really want to invest in a one or a two terabyte iPad for that matter, because that's big money. Yeah, but the nice I think thing there's is, a lot. Oh, go ahead, Jim. Sorry. I was going to say, I think there's a lot of questions that we're really not going to know the answers right. to until it comes out because, you know, what is this product really? You know, it sounds like, um, you know, they talk about conversions between the iPad and the Mac version. So mm-hmm. apparently they're not, you know, it's not like you can just go back and forth freely. There's some conversion process. Um, you know, what is the, you know, are, are there, is there really feature parity? Um, are there some things that are left out? Um, we, we don't really, I don't think we really know all that kind of stuff yet. Oh, it could it be? It's, it's a product that has the name Final Cut, but, you know, there's a lot of speculation that it's really upgraded iMovie, uh, you know, that that's where it came from. Um, so who knows? We'll see in a couple of weeks. Or could it be the fact that, you know, the, 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 the coding both both programs Maybe they didn't want to cross, you know, cross code between two two app two applications. Who knows? You're right. Until they until it's out in the wild and everybody sees it, it's gonna be it's it's kind of this. Hmm, you don't know yet. Well, Jeff, I can't. I'm pretty sure I've got this right. At the very least, I know you can take Final Cut and move it into Luma, but mm-hmm. I think you can also round trip it as well. You can round trip it. I mean, with that, not with that, that I have because I don't need to, but. Yeah, yeah, so I, using XML. That wasn't I think true originally, was it? No, not originally. 
that that was something I had to work on, but they got it. So Luma Fusion is the bomb. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you folks, if you haven't seen Luma Fusion or tried it, oh, you yeah. really should. Really Luma Fusion is so good that I stopped doing all video editing on my Mac and switched over to my my 12.9 inch iPad Pro, not an M1 iPad Pro. And it's so good that that even with Final Cut Pro coming to the iPad, if I had at least a, a an M1 iPad Pro, I wouldn't get it. I don't need it. I already have LumaFusion, and it kicks ass. Yeah. May we quote you, Jeff? You may quote me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So first of all, I want to, uh, Ben just showed up in the chat room. He said he fell asleep during dinner and just woke up. So good to have you, Ben. I hope it was a good dinner. Yes. Yeah. Really. Um. Before ben we leave, is oh. the deer whisperer. If you want to know more about that, you'll have to ask him because uh, I, I'm not going to ruin that for him. Okay. <laughs> ben, you'll have to share that next time you're on. Well, we're in the chat room. I don't care. Um, hey, before the, we leave this topic, though, I did want to acknowledge something Paul said in the chat room uh, when we were talking about Apple Pro apps. He said numbers. And, and Keynote and pages. Well, you know what? I, I struggle with that a little bit with those two, but numbers, not as much. And maybe, maybe you all don't agree, but keynote is, is darn powerful. I, you know, I, I'm not sure what else they could do to it. Pages is what it is. It's a combination of word processor page layout numbers though, has always been sort of the, the redheaded stepchild of, of the, the three, because it's not as powerful as some folks think it should be to take on Excel. So would would a, would a souped up version of a, of numbers make sense to be a an Apple Pro app? Or do you think the ship is safe? No, they should just yeah. if they're going to add new features, don't don't have numbers and numbers pro. Just have numbers right and just add more features to the app and make everyone happy. I think Apple knows that the 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 big gorilla in the room is Microsoft Excel. There's just no way to, 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 it's really tough to compete with that. Um, there's so many Excel users, so many power Excel users, corporate world. That's majority of them all at web knows too. They're all are, are crashing numbers using Excel. You just, you can't, you can't ignore that. So yeah, I, I cannot use numbers at work. Right. I, I like it as a program, but I, you know, and yeah, there's some translation that can go on back and forth, but right. it just makes but my life a whole lot easier. Macros. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't care how many other features you add in. If if you don't give your uh your app Excel macro compatibility, right, then you can't compete with Excel. Brian, Eric, you guys use numbers at all? Have any strong feelings about any of this? I know at work we use um Excel. Um personally I I tend to use um, numbers just a little bit, but personally, I don't use it, need to use it too much, often. Right. But you're in the being in the education. Are you guys using uh, Google's version of of, uh, of that at all? I can forget. The no, name. I personally, I use sheets. Uh, sheets. Sheets. Yeah, sheets. sheets. Thank you. 
Uh, no, we're our district is a Microsoft district, so oh, okay, it's all the Microsoft suite. Then ask it around person. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but I mean, most most school districts yeah. around the country are, are Google Workspace. There's oh yeah, with no fans or butts about that. Yeah, good yep. point, David. Yeah, Eric? all the all the work stuff I do is all Office. Um, okay. but my home machine doesn't have Office on it, so yeah. that's all I work. And and for what I'm doing at home, you know, it it works fine. Sure. And then I, I use Jim's database for the database part. And since a lot of people use Excel to use it as a database, I don't have that problem. So what do you mean, Panorama? Yeah. <laughs> you mean the premier um, uh, database software on any platform, Panorama? A company called ProView. <laughs> This manager words the- thing is really working out for me. I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> what about the database stays in RAM so that it works really, really quickly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so I lied. I want to make one more point about the M1 iPads because I thought about it when David was saying what he was saying. Uh, the fact that you have that that fast connection keeps you from having to spend that ungodly amount of money for a one terabyte iPad. Yeah. So, you know, another reason to just limit it to the to the M1. I mean, I have these these OWC Envoy Express uh, closures. I've got two terabyte uh, SSD NVMe uh, drive that's lightning fast, and I've I've hooked it up to this iPad, and it's just insanely fast to connect through the Thunderbolt port on my M1. Yeah, I I think if Apple could get away with dropping. Uh, free M series Mac support for Final Cut and well, and the rest of their apps. Yep. I think they would do it. And they, they did do it. Oh, for Macs. I see. For Macs, yeah. But on the iPad, they had the the luxury of choosing their starting point. And uh, so they're saying M series, and that's it. Yeah. Okay, so we beat that to death, but I think that was a, I enjoyed that discussion. A lot of a lot of points uh, and a lot of things we don't know yet. So we'll probably be revisiting it, revisiting it as we go. Yeah. The other big story of the week, and I don't know, I'm sure everybody saw it, is that um, Bridge keyboards went out of business. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, I was really bummed by this because yeah. I have um, I have a, a couple Bridge keyboards sitting around here. One of which was for my iPad mini, my first iPad mini. And it made made just a huge difference in how I used that machine when I got that keyboard. And so now the fact that, and, and they made, Bridge made keyboards, not just for the full-size Macs, but for, excuse me, iPads, but for all the iPads. And I'm just really, really, really disappointed because I found the quality to be good. I found the people to be very nice. The support, the few times I didn't need it was excellent. Um, the article I just, I, I will have in the show notes folks. And then I just threw into our private chat is a re- very lengthy read, but it also really does paint a picture of a company that was having a whole lot of problems from every direction from this, the co-CEOs down. Yep. This edition of Mac voices is supported by our Patreon subscribers and Mac voices after dark. Ever wonder what happens before the Mac voices live shows? 
or what happens when the show ends or after the live feed closes? That's where Mac Voices After Dark comes in. If you are a Patreon supporter at any level, you get access to the video of our off-camera conversations. Uncensored, unedited, and always off the wall. It's a small thank you to our Patreon supporters who want to peek behind the curtain. Become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash macvoices. And thanks to everyone who supports the show. I'll come right out and say it. They screwed over their employees in a horrible way for their own advantage. That is just downright crappy business. I am so disappointed in Bridge. Yeah. And uh, and then the salt in the wound, as if we need any salt in this big gaping wound, is that uh, they've now screwed over their former customers. Really, really bad move, Bridge. Shame on you. I, I the, go ahead, Chuck. Fortunately, well, just, these seem like people that don't have any shame. Yeah, just just with the caveat that if this reporting is accurate, and I'm not saying it's not, I'm just saying you know there's a there's a small caveat there. Um, Webgo. Oh, I was just going to say that, uh, like you, I was a customer. I uh, uh, before I got the um, the I had uh, the smart keyboard with the with the trackpad built in from apple for that i tried theirs didn't like it, it you know it, when it first came out and and jason stuff specifically did a review of it and, and everything that he said i experienced so i sent it back um uh prior to that when i just had a, a previous ipad it was just a straight bluetooth keyboard i liked it it, it worked like you said it was well built uh, it's very sturdy um um, but, uh, yeah, I was disappointed. I was always very interested in the other product that they had that they bought hench docks, yeah, uh, the docking station. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I was always interested in that. Um, um, never pulled the trigger on it. Um, but, uh, so I, I was disappointed. I, I will say from a governance standpoint, rarely does a co-CEO structure work. Um, uh, you got uh, the, the, your two co-CEOs that are, uh, I've only seen it work once. And that was with uh, Russell Stover, the candy company. And there were two brothers that were co- co-CEOs, uh, Tom and Scott Ward, who Tom Ward used to beat me up when I was a kid. He lived across the street from me. Um, but uh, uh, but it, it, And it did work there, but ultimately they sold the company to, uh, um, oh, the big Swiss chocolatier. Um, uh, yeah. That owns Gary Deli too, and some other. Anyway, Flint Nestle. No, not Nestle. Um, um, like I said, who, who owns Gary Deli? It's uh, um, any. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So um, maybe Lint. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I think the governance structure was something that that hurt them. I think they ran into money problems. I think they ran into development problems. Like I said, on the touchpad type keyboard, uh, and. Uh, um, I think they put a lot of money, time, and effort in that when they probably should have abandoned that when Apple came out with their key keyboard and and gone on to other things. So, um, I I think at the end of the day, it was a governance problem that that sank them. Yeah, Lint is the chocolatier you're thinking of. Yeah. Thank you. I just looked it up. I I don't know. I mean, certainly the article paints it up that way. Um, I've I've ha- I've tried other. I did not try the bridge keyboard with the trackpad. I tried others and yeah. was completely disappointed and immediately sent them back. So I don't know what whether that's secret sauce by Apple or 
just a failure of those other manufacturers. But it doesn't seem like most companies have gotten the keyboard, excuse me, the trackpad right. But the keyboard has always been, you know, outstanding. Oh, yeah. So. But, you know, I, I think that that kind of uh, product category is always really fraught because they're basically living at the sufferance of Apple. And in this case, Apple trampled them, which, you know, wasn't really that surprising. You know, it's, it, even without the magic keyboard, they're always in a reactive mode of, you know, they have to react to what, you know, they're building an add-on. So they don't really own the product space. Every time a new iPad comes out, they've, you know, they've, they've got to react. That's, you know, that's the kind of thing where you can maybe build something quick that's a, that's a hit, but then it's just so hard to follow up on it. But they had another because, problem. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just saying, you don't, you don't, you don't control your destiny. Um, you know, so mm -hmm. they, you know, uh, you know, not only did Apple do the magic keyboard, but then they decided Apple decided to work with Logitech. It never, you know, their stuff, it never worked with the smart connector on the iPads because Apple didn't tell them how to do it. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was a one hit wonder and that was probably what it was destined to be. Yeah. Okay. The other problem they had is that they essentially painted themselves into a market corner because they, they were making these keyboards for tablets, iPads specifically. So if you want to branch out, so you're not fully dependent on the Apple ecosystem, that means you have to look at Android. What Android tablets do you choose to make keyboards for? And, uh, and the, the answer that I see is, well, if you want something that is obviously being bought, you make them for Fire tablets. Except that Fire tablets are not devices that are that people are buying to use where a keyboard would have any value at all. So, where else can you go? And uh, and well, I like the idea of saying, yeah, look, there's this this vibrant Android market. Make keyboards for those tablets how it, it's it's like this this giant pot full of rando sizes and operating systems and it, i think it would just be too complicated well and presumably the whole you know the entire android market is much smaller than just the the ipad market so you know why bother but you know i think that feeds into my point which is that basically they're sort of like a you know what are those little fish that attach to the side of a shark um, Remora. 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 That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So, you know, they're fine as long as the shark tolerates it and, you know, doesn't get too crazy, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's not really a, uh, you know, a long-term business plan. Yeah. If I you do know, think that they go ahead, I'm sorry, Jim. Well, I was going to say they're, they're, they just looked and said, Oh, Apple's not making keyboards for these things and people want them, but that's always at the, at any moment, Apple could start making keyboards and guess what? You know, Apple made a killer keyboard, you know, and they should have done, you know, like remember Dell used to say, if you 
owned Apple, he would, you know, just give the shareholders their money back. You know, that's probably what they should have done when the magic keyboard, like, okay, that's it. Shut down. And that was kind of my point too, Jeff. I was going to say, I think the uh, um, bridge also tried to get into the surface space, uh, but kind of the same mm. thing. If someone's uh, going to get a surface, they're going to be getting the surface keyboard with it. So, mm-hmm. so it, it, and I agree with, with Jim too, that uh, uh, it, it is a very limited market. How would you like to be in the iPhone case business? Because every time, every year they come out with a new case and more oh than likely God. you're going to have to redesign your product to yeah, take yeah. it from a guy who's bought several of these things. Um, mm. But that's that's the, that's the world that uh, uh, we live in. Apple's not going to uh, not redesign their products to accommodate case makers. Okay. Um, it, it, it's too bad. I thought Bridge had an interesting product, uh, uh, but uh, companies come, companies go. At least cases, it's, you know, it's not like a huge R&D expense or even a marketing expense. It's just, you know, cases just, you know, you got to get it on a shelf somewhere and, you know, but, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not a market leading category. You know, people are making some money at it, but it's, um, you know, Bridge was in an odd space because they had a lot of engineering that they had to do and you know that yeah brian i was gonna say i was looking at the part of the article where he's talking about how they were almost acquired by razor and that would have been interesting you know a good what if you know had they been acquired um by razor you know their product would have or their you know their small selection of products would have been able to be folded into the offerings from razor and um, i think as you know jim was saying the r d that would be involved. Maybe it would be a smaller um, amount, you know, in the larger company um, utilizing that technology. But then, who knows? And maybe it would have been something that you know, use some of their technology, and then it more or less goes away anyhow. You know, absorbed. That was one part of the story that I was kind of skeptical about. It didn't seem like they had any sources that would really know. Like mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like there was you know executives spewing bs that razor is going to acquire us but um you know i wonder how you know maybe there was some talks but was razor really seriously interested in that um well and after razor did some due diligence if if the art assuming the article is accurate what was going on behind the scenes and under the hood certainly probably was not very palatable and they passed yeah yeah, I think due diligence probably would have scared away any potential buyer. Yeah, based on the way of but we're hindsight's 2020, but certainly based on what we're seeing now, it certainly looks that way. I am curious about the someone mentioned the hinge dock. Um, I had interviewed those guys before they were purchased by Bridge. And so when they were purchased by Bridge, it's like, oh, that you know, that's great because you thought, you know, it, maybe it was expanding in a little bit different direction. Does anybody here have a hinge dock? I did at one point, uh, but it was one of the older docks. And it was interesting where you had to have the little thing line up just right for all the ports on the old you know, 2008 uh, MacBook Pro and just slide it right. And it was it was kind of a cool thing of its time. But I, I think as it, it it evolved and then getting bought, bought by Bridge, I, I think it kind of just fell off the wayside and people weren't just buying them as much anymore. I oh hope they God. got their money. Yeah. Yeah, I just checked out the bridge website just for fun. Just all this is the big logo. Yeah, 
They they should have just done um, uh, a single index file. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a WordPress site that says that's the bridge logo, and it and it's not even a secure site. Yeah, they just oh, to- man, they to- they, they shut it down. down hard. Yeah, they did. Wow, just through just through an H HD, an index.html page. That's the end of it. Hmm. Um, before we leave the bridge, or pardon me, the hinge doc thing now. Um, does anybody here run their MacBook with or MacBooks or whatever with the lid closed? Oh yeah. Do you really, Jeff? I explain to me why. <laughs> because uh, I have multiple reasons. First, with the 34-inch wide screen, I've got a really big screen in front of me. Second, when I first got the screen and tried doing the multiple display thing, what I found was that my Mac display what was always in a place where it just wasn't convenient for me to use. And, uh, and uh, it would sit too low. It would overlap part of my big display, stuff like that. And then ultimately I realized that I'm actually more efficient with one giant screen as opposed to smaller screens. And if I'm doing something where I need to have like something that's standing out as a separate window, I uh, I have it's one of the twelve South uh, iPad arms on my desk, and I'll pop an iPad in that, which also puts the screen up at at a usable level, and then I'll display whatever on that. Um, but even still, most of the time that display arm sits empty. Do you use um, Sidecar for the for the iPad, or do you just yes. pull it up completely separate? No, I'll, I'll use Sidecar for that. Okay. Because that's you. You hit exactly what what I'm thinking is that you've got a perfectly good screen on that, and I hear what you're saying about both desk space and elevation. No, no, no question about it. So you would have to find a solution for that. But I've always just found it really interesting the folks that run, you know, in in a vertical mode, dropping it, you know, down like a piece of toast into into whether it's a hinge dock or anyone else. Um, the the idea of being able to bring it from office to home and plug it in and have all the ports automatically hooked up was always appealing. Mm-hmm. But the loss of the screen seemed like such a waste. Yeah. Well, if you run in closed lid mode all the time, where you probably should have bought a, uh, a desktop Mac instead, then yes, it's a waste. Um, if you're like me, where you do most of your stuff sitting here at your desk, but you need the full horsepower of your computer away from your desk on a regular basis as well. There you go. Now I have a display on the go. Okay. Um, heat, heat concerns? Any? None. Uh, no. With my Intel uh, MacBook Pro, didn't matter. The fans just ran all the time. Right. It, it could be off, and I'd assume the fans are still running. Um, with, uh, with the uh, M2, um, I have it on, I don't even remember which company stand it is probably a 12 South where it's just elevated up some. And, uh, uh, so if I was actually using it in open lid mode, I'd have a nice angle for the keyboard and the display would be a couple inches higher. Um, but I have nice ventilation. I'm plugging in my dock cable and, uh, and that's it. Okay. Got to ask, got to ask, especially when we have an expert right here in front of us. 
Yeah. I was trying to find your expert. Oh, okay. <laughs> Next time on Mac Voices, this panel finishes up with some thoughts on tipping at the Apple Store and the activities of two of Elon Musk's other companies. That's next time on Mac Voices. I'll see you then. As always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, Consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.